This is 169 Projects. I'm Michael Tutton. I'm insatiably curious and excited about finding great work done in digital signage and visual communications. This podcast is designed to dig into some of those projects, find out what they're all about and how they came together. That might be a big experiential job, a massive video wall, projection mapping, or a cool one-to-one interactive project. Each episode will get into the thinking behind the project and how it came together by talking to the people responsible. Just like the Mothership Podcast 16.9, this one's available online, or you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or using your favorite podcast listening app. I'm grateful and excited to announce that the podcast now has a sponsor thanks to Mahler Digital Signage. That's right, 16.9 Projects is sponsored by Mahler Digital Signage. Put your digital signage network in expert hands. The New Air Jordan store, opened in downtown Toronto in 2017, is a three-story retail environment created with the notion of providing a true customer experience. It features an underground kids-only concourse, an industrial-designed retail level, and an upper athletic training facility. While digital signage is limited to just two areas on the top floor, the way in which Air Jordan conceived the store as a holistic experience shows how screens and their content are just part of the overall retail environment. On top of the DJ booth, you'll also find two separate zones for what's called the Jordan Standard Games, which are interactive display-based grid tests that compare your agility level to Michael Jordan's. I spoke with Mark McPherson, Executive VP, and Scott Wooters, Director of Project Implementation from Advanced, an AV solutions provider in Toronto, about how this project is an indication of where retail could be heading in the future. Thanks for joining me today, guys. Let's start with you uh, maybe describing the project for us. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks uh, Thanks very much for having us. Uh, it's Mark McPherson here. And uh, the timing is actually perfect to, to be chatting about this project. Uh, we just found out actually earlier this week that um, that this project won best retail project at the 2018 Innovate Awards at the ISE show. So we're we're pretty excited right now. Oh, congratulations! So as far as the project, um, Scott, do you want to sort of give an overview as to sort of how you viewed the project from your perspective? Sure. Yeah. Um, Scott Wooters here. Um, so the project was largely. Um, audio based, but also had some video component to it. Uh, We were looking at doing a high quality audio system throughout the store and uh, the Center 23 fitness complex or fitness studio uh, in the second floor of the store. Um, We also did some uh, projector, custom projector installations for digital signage on the outside of the building, uh, as well as video processing for um, an application that is now used throughout the, the Jordan stores, uh, in center 23 for training, which is like, a a virtual, um, skill test, I guess is what you would call it. Um, using, uh, a large led video wall and some custom, uh, skeletal tracking done by a couple of other companies. Um, but we were responsible for the video processing behind, uh, behind those displays. And so uh, let's maybe start with the, the windows. What, what's going on there? What's, where are they looking out towards and, and what are they accomplishing? Uh, the, the windows, uh, projection that we did, um, four windows on the second floor of the building facing out onto Young Street, uh, at basically Young and Dundas Square in downtown Toronto. Um, uh, really a prevalent digital signage area in the city now. Um, and our, our partner in the project, uh, BRDG was responsible for the actual signage content there. 
and it is really just for eye-catching graphics and to, to help bring foot traffic into the store. Um, but we were basically projecting from the, the backside onto uh, perforated film that was installed. Yeah, it's actually quite an interesting application. It's your classic sort of storefront window projection. We did some sort of edge blending and uh, pixel mapping there to kind of create some really cool imagery, and it really shines sort of in the evenings uh, for sure when it gets a little darker outside. So let's maybe stick with that for a bit because uh, this kind of application is something that uh, lots of people, I think, have thought about doing but end up not doing. So what, what makes rear projection window work and not work and, and why does it work in your case? In this case, it was easy to use projectors because of the open space, the open nature of the space. Um, there's no drop ceilings, there's nothing like that. Uh, every, everything in the in the ceiling above, um, say 10 feet is black. So we were, we were really e able to hide the projectors easily. Um, and you know that way you're not looking into any kind of um, projection glass or LCD glass or anything like that, which can become prohibitively expensive. Um, but some of the issues that people might run into, especially if they're looking at doing it with projectors, is literally just where to put the projectors. Um, we had looked at a bunch of different options, including custom floor stands that were sort of hidden inside of um, uh, storefront cabinets or something like that, but ultimately we just ended up going with a very simple black uh, custom ceiling mount um, was actually the best way to hide it. And they were also looking to to be able to still look into the store beyond the the projection projected images. So it became quite apparent that projection really was a way to go, as opposed to just like high brightness storefront displays and that sort of thing. And the technology for, for rear projection on window now in terms of the films that are being used, is that advanced or is that still the same kind of thing that came out, say, 10, 12 years ago? I don't think there's been much change yeah. to it. My opinion is, I mean, that is a space that I, I would have thought would have evolved more than it has. And it, you, you make a good point. It really is the same sort of concept and technology that it's been for years. Yeah, it's, it's not an opaque film um, and it's perforated. So um, it... It really doesn't impede the the view of the window outside during the day, but really provides just enough uh, material there to to give a quality image. And just not that I'm obsessing about these window things, but the and I know every locality is different. But what about movement? Are there not restrictions about how much movement you can show on on uh, from a window facing out into the, into the public? I don't know. Yeah, there was there was definitely some hoops that um, that Nike had to jump through to get uh, approvals and whatnot um, for this type of signage, you know, in this type of public space. I mean, we're right down Young Street in that whole Eaton Center area. Um, so yeah, there was some rules they had to follow in designing the content. Now, when we go upstairs, you have the the locker room sort of setup. Can you explain what's happening there and and what happens when you're there? Yeah, I'll start off and then I'll turn it over to Scott. If I take a step back, what's what's really what was really exciting for us in this project was, I mean, we're all really aware of the challenges uh, that bricks and mortar retail is, is facing these days. And so um, everyone's trying to do something different with their new stores. And so the conversations we got involved with early on were were as much about the actual retail side of it, but these other areas with, that they wanted to create 
and, and layer into the store concept. And so, you know, there's there's these three levels and, and um, like there's a kids area that's dedicated to kids. There's the main retail area. And then there's this third floor, which is really quite innovative what they've done. And yeah, that's so essentially it's it's a it's a training facility. Um, they run uh, and I'm not even sure the frequency of their um, of their sessions, but they have professional trainers that come in and run uh, fitness courses. They run agility drills and strength drills and almost like a boot camp scenario. Um, they also have the skill test that we were talking about earlier where you actually are mimicking or interacting with a skills test from that's on an LED wall and you have a grid on the floor where you need to move from position to position uh, and the, the software is tracking you the whole time and ends up giving you a score against what they call the Jordan standard. Um, beyond that, um, the locker room is, is essentially where, you, you know, as a group, you come in and get ready. Um, full lighting controls in there provided by um, by Jordan's lighting vendor. And they literally set the place up with um, shoes and shirts and shorts and everything. And you all, everyone who's participating in the session goes in and uh, and gets their gear together and, and goes through the session. And how did that come together? Was that, uh, did... Jordan come to you guys and say, here is what we want to do, or was there a, a kind of creative development phase? Yeah, there was there was quite quite a, a fun phase, to be honest with you. And, and if there's a takeaway for this, it's um, I think any of these innovative retail projects that are happening right now, you have to be sort of aware that they are going to be quite a process. And so how we got involved was um, Nike had hired um, sort of an experimental, experiential uh, design firm out of New York. And so they had some some concepts they wanted to implement. And so they partnered with us as their local partner um, to try to bring it to fruition and sort of round out the design. So we did get involved quite early on where they were kind of describing their vision of the experience they wanted to create. And then we worked with them to actually fulfill it. And how early in the process were you brought in? Quite early. Uh, so we, when when we first met with this this design firm, literally uh, they had a PowerPoint presentation and some renderings of their vision, and that was it. So we were, I would say, we were involved in that like the, almost that second stage where it's like, okay, now let's talk about is this a is this is this real? Can we actually do what you're envisioning? I'd like to thank our sole sponsor, Mahler Digital Signage, for their patronage. It helps cover the costs and means the podcast can visit DSC to gather some more great interviews. Here's Mahler's Luis Villafane. Hi there. This is Luis from Mahler Digital Signage. You can find us at MahlerDSO.com. We plan, install, and manage digital signage networks for marketing projects, advertising, and retail. We don't sell PCs, we don't sell screens, we don't sell advertising or do physical installations. At Mahler Digital Signage, we offer an all-around consultancy service and project management that will help you find the best hardware and software solutions to deploy from scratch your digital signage network. We adapt to what your company needs, from small to large networks, with a direct support from our engineers within 20 minutes. So at Matter, we manage and design networks. We manage and design digital signage networks. That is it. Check out our website at www.mallardso.com. Tell me about the audio piece. It, it seems 
audio in this project was more prevalent in the thinking than most other projects. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and uh, you know, we came to the tables obviously kind of focused and excited on the video side, the LED wall side. Um, but as you chatted with with everyone involved, um, they wanted the full experience. They wanted people to be able to walk into different zones and and have a different experience than they would walking into other zones. And it was interesting. They they really understood the power of audio and visual. And so we ended up chatting as much or if not more about audio, which kind of surprised us out of the gate. But um, Scott, do you want to kind of chat about kind of how we designed sort of the audio elements in, in the store layout? Uh, yeah, well, ultimately, we wanted to ensure that, um, you know, audio coverage was key, but we didn't want anything that was invasive, even though it's a large space. Um, and working with the design firm, you know, we it was settled on with QSC speakers, and um, essentially we were just trying to break down which zones um, should be separate controls or separate sources, so on and so forth. Uh, and it, honestly, that even evolved down to the last days of the project when uh, they were getting ready for their opening, and um, you know, we were asked to add the ability to tie a DJ into the first floor and and things like that. So um, for the most part, the system runs as just like a background music scenario. But at the same time, if they have events upstairs or downstairs, they can run almost like a club atmosphere inside. Uh, during testing, we were we really put the system to the limits and uh, had some people complaining about the uh, the levels that we were pushing. So um, it was a lot of fun uh, right down to the last minute because, again, it was just trying to make everything that they needed come together. And when you start uh, having an open concept uh, environment like this and then you've got things like this this Jordan standard game where it can get quite animated, you can imagine guys sort of getting quite excited to be challenging you know, a Jordan skill. Um, there, there is very, um, very good sort of, I guess, what is it, sound masking and zoned audio. So literally, you're you're in one zone, you're kind of hearing everything related to that. But literally, 10, 15 feet away, you're hearing something different. And they, they wanted that, you know, just to be part of the overall experience. Yeah, to, to touch on that a bit further, the actual Jordan standard locations, they're very close to each other, and they are in an open area that they can also use in as, a, as an event space. Um, so ultimately what we ended up doing was bringing the speakers associated with, with those two individual locations down as close as we could to the, to the actual interactive space so that the level could be brought just up enough that it was very clear in the, in the, you know, nine, nine foot by nine foot area that you were working in. But as Mark said, as you move further away from it, you could have another audio source running and it didn't interfere. As the price of LEDs, uh, LED walls come down and the ability to, to literally just wallpaper every wall in a store with LEDs and then make your wallpaper do whatever it wants, whether it sits in black or does crazy stuff all the time, as that kind of stuff starts to come to pass, what's, gonna, what's, what's our retail environment going to look like? Really uh, interesting question. Uh, and to be honest with you, we would have thought at their onset of these conversations, there would have been way, way more LED just and just more video in general. Um, and I think what we're learning as 
I think what we're all learning in the industry is um, sometimes, you know, more isn't necessarily better. And, you know, when we chatted with these guys, um, they they were along the lines of they didn't want to overwhelm people with visual. They they loved the lighting of the store and wanted lots and lots of static sort of imagery of Jordan and in cool shots of him doing what he did. Uh, but it was more almost understated on the video side, and they wanted that to be very tasteful as opposed to overwhelming. So it was an interesting conversation because we went in expecting the opposite. But I certainly do see that as that price is coming down, it, it, LED being so module, and now uh, we you can so easily curve curve it and and build it around columns and structures. We do fully expect to see more and more of that to the point where it is literally wallpapered in sections of stores. And what about the holistic experience that, that that comes together, I guess, when you have audio and, and visual and, and multi-layers? And as they've done at Jordan here, we have a space in the basement for kids and a space upstairs for people to be athletic. What's, what's happening to these kind of retail experiences in general? I think um, it goes back to my point where I think they're, they're trying to create – these environments that aren't necessarily overwhelming, but they're engaging and they're trying to build in elements that bring people back. So like I know when I first tried that Jordan standard game and I failed miserably, uh, my next, my thought was the next time I'm downtown, I'm going to pop in and see if I can get in line and try this again. And I, they've done the right thing. I think they're, they're making it that fun atmosphere and it's, you know, you're not necessarily always going to come in and buy, you know, expensive shirt or a pair of shoes, but you want to come back in again and again. And I think you're, we're going to see more and more um, retail outlets, certainly the flagships, do interesting things like this. I may have to edit this next question out, but were there things that you wanted to do in this installation that you weren't able to do for whatever reason? We certainly, uh, we certainly wanted to do more video. We, we found that, to be honest with you, and I think it's a good question, a fair question, there's really only um, video on one of the floors. Um, there is the projection on the storefront. Which, same floor, though. But it's the same floor. And so we really tried hard to add more video to the other areas and they decided uh, they again they wanted it to be underwhelming on that from that standpoint. So, uh, and it wasn't really a budget conversation either. It's they had a vision in mind, and um, it's yeah. very artwork based. The the basement and the main floor are very very artwork based. Um, you know, there's if you've seen photos of the space, you've got the classic Jordan arm span image. You've got. Um, Artwork everywhere. You've got the Jumpman, three-dimensional Jumpman logo. Um, on the north wall, as you come in, there's images of local, like the the top three local uh, streetball basketball parks in Toronto. Um, even the basement, there there's artwork that's all about Jordan, his history, his legacy, um, and that's really what they wanted to play up. The the video upstairs really ties into you know, what they're doing with that space. You know, it's not, you can't just walk in and head up there and, and do what you want. It's, it's, you know, it's something that you have to register for. And when you get in, it's an experience, right? Um, and to, to touch on what Mark was saying about flagships doing this sort of thing is, you know, I find more and more retail shops are trying to find something that 
you can't just do in every store, right? Um, they're trying to find something that is brand specific, that is, you know, I don't know if necessarily interactive is the right right term, but engaging and something that you can't get, impossible to get from online shopping. Um, and they really are trying to find more and more of that. Um, and that's sort of what that center 23 brings is, you know, if you, if you have a, someone in your family that plays basketball or if you are part of a basketball team and you want to train, you can register for this online and get in there and get some, get training in a really cool once in a lifetime kind of opportunity. Other than not being able to put in as much video as you wanted, were there any other challenges that you had to overcome? I think there was um, probably two key challenges, and I think like any integration project, uh, when you're dealing with uh, a, a major reno and lots of trades, and they obviously had a timeline for when they wanted to open, um, it, it puts immense pressure on, on any integrator doing these projects. So this one was no different. There was some quite unreasonable challenges there, but we, we overcame them and worked together with all the trades and made it happen. So I think that was, that was quite a challenge, but something that we're used to. I think probably the biggest challenge was um, just understanding as we move into more of these retail digital signage and AV projects that when you talk about the user experience and what they're trying to do these days, um, you need to be extremely patient. And uh, I don't think there's been a project in the last couple of years where we've made more revisions to the design and to our proposal than we did in this one. And as I sat back and reflected on this with Scott as we finished it off and were there at the opening, uh, it just reminded us that, like, yeah, this, this is the way it's going to be with these types of projects. There's so many opinions. And so, so many sort of concepts and ideas they want to think about, you end up doing a lot of work uh, to sort of turn it around into fruition. Uh, last question. This isn't about uh, this particular project. Are you finding that clients uh, are more knowledgeable about what they're asking for or they've been exposed to more things and are therefore asking for th things that they want as opposed to things that they know about? Yeah, it's a tricky question. They're definitely um, thinking a lot more about what they're going to do next. And they're thinking, they're trying to think outside the box. They are looking anywhere and everywhere for sources of information. Um, and I think that that's a good thing because, you know, uh, we, need, we need to challenge ourselves on that front. And certainly retail is a challenging place to be. Uh, right now. So they're, they're definitely coming to the table, I would say, uh, with more ideas. Um, which doesn't necessarily make our job easier, but they are becoming more and more, more and more knowledgeable. And the larger retailers have, they tend to partner with uh, certain design firms that uh, have some great ideas and great imaginations too. And so, you know, working with firms like that just really uh, helps you raise your game too. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Thanks so much for having us. Our pleasure. Thanks. That's all for this episode of 69 Projects. If you've seen a project in the wild and said to yourself, now that's cool, I'd love to hear about it and maybe feature it on an upcoming episode. You can reach me at michael at crowncontent.ca. This podcast is a companion to the 69 podcast, which talks to smart people doing interesting things in this business. It's also tied in with 169, which is the website to read if you really want to learn about the digital signage industry. You'll find that at 16-9.net. This podcast is produced by me in Toronto and is a product of Vertical Media Consulting Group, the massive media empire my buddy Dave Haynes runs out of his house down the highway in Burlington, Ontario. 
This podcast is sponsored by Mahler Digital Signage. Check them at mahlerdso.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Michael Tutton.